Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Thank you, God. I thank you that you make us bold and courageous, that we come into your presence, knowing full well that you love us, Jesus. Thank you that you would make your presence known to us tonight, and that you'd speak to us powerfully through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I'll just get my 50 million notes here and start off. Uh, So I was talking to God today, and I was asking him, what do you want to share tonight? And he gave me a question uh, for me to answer. He said, what's the most important thing that you can get from the Bible? And for me personally, to sum it up, very, very briefly, in one sentence, (laughs) I feel like the, the message of the Bible is that Jesus loves you. And this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's an incredibly important thing, the love that Jesus has for you. The whole entire Bible, it's all leading up to that one point where Jesus gives his life for you and shows his love. It is all encompassing. It's a whole story. The whole story is all focused on bringing you into the love of God. So I wanted to talk about love. I have been camping in 1 Corinthians this past couple months, and I want to read to you uh, 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 13. If you want to turn there. If you have been married or have gone to a wedding ever in your life, there is a very big chance that you have heard this piece of scripture spoken by the celebrant. It's a very famous piece of scripture. It's all about love. So I'm reading from the New King James. And it says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I have not love. It profits me nothing. Love suffers long. It is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, nor is puffed up. It does not behave rudely, it does not seek its own, nor is it provoked, it thinks no evil, it does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's going back to you, right? Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. 
but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abide in faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. This is a pretty important thing, this love thing. Um, Paul's talking about uh, love being the ultimate motivator, what it, the thing that motivates us. And so I had a little word search on this uh, love word. And in English, it's, it's pretty vague. Say, I love this, I love that, I love you, uh, I love spaghetti. That kind of thing is used very, very loosely. And it's an incredibly large word. It's got a lot of meanings. In fact, the Greeks decided that they needed eight different words to be able to define it or even attempt to define it. If you see Carsten at the end, I'm sure he can tell you them all. He speaks Greek. <laughs> uh, but I'll do my best with the four that we uh, would encounter in the New Testament. So the first one, uh, I'm sure you've all heard before, is agape love. And that one is mentioned 106 times in the New Testament. And agape love is a love that the Greeks would have considered to be the highest, the most pure, the greatest and most complete form of love. Um, it's the unselfish, unconditional, unrelenting love. And it's absolutely divine and absolutely true. And it's that love that God has for us. He's the one that uh, demonstrates this love the best, in my opinion. Could be your opinion too. But there's that, that verse, John 3.16, if anybody knows it. If you know it, please shout it out. If you don't, please go look it up. <laughs> Thank you. God so loved the world. He gave his only son believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world. You know that word love there is the agape love. And this isn't a new revelation. Um, this agape love is the love that God, um, the one that he, uh, the one that is used in that passage is the agape love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his son being a part of him. And that love, sorry. <laughs> There's that song in the worship. Uh, I don't know, we didn't sing it tonight, but it's the reckless love of God, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. And it is absolutely reckless. Uh, he came to a world where it was dark, undeserving. Um, and he gave his all for us. Uh, sorry. I'll tell you a little story. <laughs> 
just to paint this picture a little bigger. So I don't know. Um, in the mornings, we have this little tradition. And we wake up, mum wakes up, I wake up, we get our breakfast, and we look at the trivia that is in the paper. Usually we're pretty good at it. And one question came up where it was like, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Where does that principle first show up in history? Where does that originate? We're like, oh, yeah, we know that. The Bible. It wasn't the Bible. That wasn't the answer. I'm like, what? Some guy called, uh, what's their name? Hammurabi. Hammurabi. Anyway, Babylonian. <laughs> but that concept, it is in the Bible, by the way. An eye for an eye, a truth for a truth. That fair... Um, order of justice. Like, you hit me, I hit you back, like siblings. <laughs> one goes over, they hit them, maybe by accident, maybe on purpose, and then the other one hits them back because they hit them, and then one starts crying, and the other one starts crying, and the parent comes in, and they're like, what happened? And they're like, well, I hit them because they hit me first, and they're like, no, I hit you first. So anyway, in the end, Justice has been served. <laughs> but it's a very humanistic uh, form of justice. And it seems fair. It's totally fair. If someone ruins your property, then it's only fair that their property gets ruined as well, right? However, in Matthew, well, that's how it worked a lot uh, in the law. Uh, but in Matthew, Jesus comes along. You've heard and says, you've heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And he says, but I say to you that you will love one another. And he goes against uh, what it is that the Jews have been brought up to abide by. This is the law that you would, um, you would serve justice equal to equal. You'd take what was taken away from you. Uh, and give what was deserving of other people. Same thing with, like, turn the other cheek. Uh, the Romans would slap them on one cheek, and they would, that's an absolute injustice to them, but Jesus was saying, like, give the other cheek. I wasn't sure who uh, gave him that message, uh, but it was a pastor a while ago. Anyway, Jesus came in quite countercultural <laughs> uh, and upturning all these things that, seem fair, and saying, look, just don't pay that any mind. I want you to respond in this way. I want you to respond in love, which doesn't make sense at all. And so taking that into mind, Jesus carrying this message in his heart and throughout his entire walk, he demonstrates that incredibly practically when he is crucified So when he was crucified, he went through the most unimaginable, painful thing, unjust thing made by humankind. Humankind was the people that they brought this upon him. And yet, for everything unimaginable that he went through, he would give us the greatest gift imaginable. That instead of death, that we dealt him, that he would give us eternal life in return. And instead of incredible hate, he would give us incredible love. 
then in the New Testament, he also says uh, in John 13 that he gives us a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So it was pretty much hammering this whole love thing home as well. Again, loving your neighbours as you love yourselves. Uh, and that word, loving your neighbours, is the agape love, by the way. How do you love a neighbour that you would absolutely, an enemy that you would die for them? We're thinking about like, like I don't know, they, they kind of, that's like maybe a little bit too, you know, I give them a pass <laughs> because I'm a Christian and that kind of thing. But loving your neighbor with the divine love that Jesus had for all of humanity, it's kind of, yeah. And when he was on the cross, he, was, he, said, to Jesus, he said to God, forgive them for they do not know what they do. The same with Stephen as well. He asked God not to hold the sin against them as they stoned him to death is that example of being so utterly convinced of the love of God that it doesn't matter what's going on around you, that it manifests uh, in its purest form, no matter what the people are doing to you, no matter what's, how you're being treated, you treat them in exactly the same way as Jesus would. And it remains steadfast and consistent Anyway, moving on to other forms of love, other words mentioned in the Bible. There's also, so there's agape first. There's also uh, the word eros, which is the romantic kind of love. Any romantics in the house? No? I know mom is an absolute romantic. We say picture a horse. She tells us of her picture. She says, it's a white horse with wings. It came down from the heavens and it swooped me off my feet. As I'm like, this horse was brown. It's standing over there. So mom is definitely a romantic. We watch a movie and if uh, the guy and the girl don't get together at the end of it, then it's a rubbish movie. Throw it out. I'm like, calm down, mom. We're watching Finding Nemo. Anyway, that's Eros love. <laughs> Another one is storge love, which is a familiar love, a familial one, where it's born out of family, kinship, familiar familiarity. Say that five times. Uh, and I remember a story of a good example of this storge love, and maybe even agape love. Uh, was from my sister, Jess. She's my older sister. And to give a bit of context, my love language is acts of service. And she is very aware of this, uh, as I am very aware that hers is words. Uh, anyway, she woke up before I did in the morning, and she found that there was a giant dead cockroach sitting right outside of my room. And she thought, I should probably pick that up. 
And so she picked it up and threw it in the toilet and flushed it down the toilet because she knew that when I woke up, all bleary-eyed, it would not be fun at all. <laughs> so that, that deeply touched my heart. That was a deep, deep, deep display of love. Definitely agape love, unselfish, divine, because she hates cockroaches. She's got a scar on her knee where she got scared by one. So yes. That maybe goes beyond the Storgate kind of love. <laughs> but the family love. We've got my, a whole bunch of people from my family tonight, and that's a very good example of supporting me here. Uh, but there's one other form of love as well that's mentioned a lot. It's the, the phileo, the philia, Philadelphia kind of love. I'm not sure which one. You could probably tell me. It's like three different philia. Phileo. Phileo fish. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, that is brotherly love. And the Greeks considered this um, quite highly. They regarded it quite highly. It only came second as to agape love, which is like the gold standard. But the brotherly love was considered to be uh, a love shared between two people. They consider themselves equals. It's born out of respect. It's born out of uh, connection and mutual appreciation is friendship. I have wonderful friends, and you have deep, meaningful friendships, and it's a wonderful thing. But going back to 1 Corinthians 13, you know, we've got all this love. We've got agape, we've got eros, we've got storge, we've got phileo. <laughs> and so the one that Paul is talking about in the entirety of 1 Corinthians 13 is the agape love. And so reading it again, you see that uh, love is large and patient. It is gentle, kind to all, refuses to be jealous, and uh, does not brag or inflate its own importance. It does not traffic in shame or disrespect. It doesn't seek its own honor. It is easily, it's not easily irritated or quick to take offense. It celebrates honesty and has no delight in what is wrong. A safe place of shelter, and never stops believing the best of others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. So, reading that passage, um, knowing that Paul is telling the Corinthian church to have this divine love that surpasses all knowledge and human understanding, and go do that. Okay. So, Philia is real easy to do. Is everywhere, even the ungodly can do it, uh, as he mentions. <laughs> but to have that love where you would absolutely give your life for somebody. I mean, I love spaghetti bolognese, but I wouldn't die for it. So we'll probably put that as a, I don't know, a storge kind of love, a familiar one. My momo, who is here, uh, makes a wonderful spaghetti bolognese, by the way. That is very close to agape love spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> anyway, so Paul expects the Corinthian church to walk in this kind of love all the time. It says consistently. Big word, consistently, every day, all day, every day. 
but in theory, it's actually humanly impossible to do. But he doesn't expect us to do it in our own strength. He expects us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be given the grace to be able to walk in that love. Jesus had that grace, of course, because he is the Godhead. He had the Holy Spirit. He was the Holy Spirit. He was God. He was love, the full revelation and the definition of love. So that's a good example. And Stephen had it as well where he was stoned. He had the Holy Spirit. He was empowered to love in this way, to do this love that surpasses all human understanding. Again, all of the disciples, Peter, John, all the other ones, <laughs> 58 points if you can name all of them in your own time. But we are required to continually walk into this full love. God gave us this, Jesus gave us this new commandment to love one another as he first loved us and that agape love one another. So it's an actual commandment. It's like, it's the law. It's something we actually have to do. <laughs> we have to love everybody to the point that we would die for them. Please don't die for anybody unnecessarily to fulfill that. It's not that kind of uh, practical application for everybody. Um, but it's having that heart posture. Uh, however, it's not just a heart posture. It actually looks like something. I have a, a saying in the academy, love looks like something. So how do we get to this place where we are fully manifesting Love in its fullness, all day, every day, where every single person we meet is impacted by the love that we carry and that we manifest to others. Good way to do that is to ask God for help. He's very good at helping and very happy for you to ask. So ever-present help in time of need and he'll always help you. And he knows a lot about love. <laughs> but uh, in order to do that first, we, we really need that revelation for ourselves. Love as he first loved us. Kind of have to figure out how he first loved us first. <laughs> That's kind of a big deal. And it is a big deal in a lot of people's lives. I grew up in a Christian home and knew everything about the Bible and being a Christian. We watched Veggie Tales <laughs> a lot. So we knew a lot. We were very good Christians. <laughs> Veggie Tales is good. <laughs> King George and the Ducky. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, there's always a story about when God uh, makes himself real to you, when you personally have a revelation, when you found God for yourself and not just for your parents, for your family, uh, all these kinds of these statements that people make. There's that... A pivotal moment that 
completely changes your life forever. And usually it's not some grand revelation about the Corinthians, let's just say, <laughs> or some uh, obscure theological argument that you have the answer to now. Did Adam have a belly button? Something like that. Uh, but this revelation that God loves you, that Jesus loves you. And I remember I had a, a very significant encounter in my life where pretty much the only thing he said to me was, I love you. And that was enough to change my life entirely for the rest of my life. It can always considered my top encounter, the most significant encounter that I've had with Jesus ever. And I think it'll only be topped when I actually go to heaven. <laughs> but there's this ultimate revelation that we all must have, this revelation that Jesus loves us. And from then, you can go out into the world and love one another because you know how much Jesus loves you. So cheesy, but the intimacy is the answer. And asking for help is... And a very good answer as well. Um, but we have the opportunity to demonstrate love all around us every day. Uh, and you don't have to work for this, this love that you gain from God. It's very much a, a works mentality. Sometimes people get stuck in. Like, if I do this, then God will anoint me more or God will love me more. Um, it's, it's, it's natural. It's a usual thing. Like, I have a story, again, with Jess. She's showing up a lot. Uh, when we were little, we would go to Blockbuster or Video Easy, good times, and get a DVD out for the weekend. And when it came time to put the DVD back, We'd go to the return box and Jess would go over to me and give me a proposition. And would say, Emily, do you want to put the DVD in the DVD box? I'd say, no, I don't want to do that. So she comes out with all her big bargaining tools and says, be your best friend. And for context, Jess, my older sister, she plays sports. She is very friendly to everybody. She's very pretty as well. And her favorite color is blue. And that means that she's cool. I feel like anybody with the favorite color blue is automatically cool. So Jess was really cool. She still is really cool. And to be considered best friends with Jessica, it's something. It's really something. So obviously my answer was, oh, yeah, of course. And I put the DVD back, and this preposition will come out again. Emily, do you want to do the dishes? No. I'll be your best friend. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's getting married soon, and I am the maid of honor. So that is like an official title, an official, uh, what's it called? <laughs> is actual official evidence that I am her best friend. It took me a very long time. I worked hard for that. <laughs> A 
Anyway, the kingdom of God is not like that. <laughs> he calls us friends. <laughs> and he loves us unconditionally, whether we put the DVD back or not. Also, he probably doesn't have any dishes, so I don't think that really matters to him. Um, but yeah, we can, we can demonstrate this love in so, so many ways, very practically. There's doing the love languages like Jess would do. It's another evidence thing there for being a best friend. She, she loves me. Uh, she threw a cockroach away for me. So she was utilizing the love languages. So if you have a friend and you know what their love language is, it's very good to pinpoint that and really work on that. Like if mum in particular is very responsive, very good. <laughs> she likes cuddles with arms, as she said, whatever that means. <laughs> you can ask her what that means. <laughs> and she loves being told, good job, well done, you're doing so well, you look beautiful, your shoes are lovely, all these things. Um, and so that's a very good way to, for me to show her my love for her. <laughs> uh, another story with that, uh, we have the two little dogs at home and we were teaching them some tricks and I had my friend with me, a very good friend of mine. And every time they do something right, we give them a treat and we'd be like, good job, well done. Oh, it was so good, you're so clever. And just pouring out the praise on this dog. And my friend was like, why don't you encourage me as much as you encourage the dog? <laughs> I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I'm gonna show my friends more love than I show my dogs. <laughs> it's so easy to encourage dogs. <laughs> so easy. But yes, you sh we should encourage our friends immensely. More so with, than with dogs. <laughs> dogs require lots of encouragement though. Um, anyway, in Hebrews 3 verse 13, it says, encourage one another as long as it is called today. And today is always today. Tomorrow never comes. And yesterday is in the past. So today is today. And today will always be today forever and ever as long as it's today. So what that's saying is, <laughs> encourage your friends daily. Encourage your family daily. Put courage in, as one would say, encourage, put in courage. Um, another way to do that is also just to, to do lovely things for people, to uh, put people ahead of yourself, uh, to prefer one another, all these wonderful things. And to think the best of people as well. It is so easy to rally against someone that's done something wrong. But it's just, it's just not worth, worth it to get into that. Well, not worth it to get into slander, into gossip. Simple as that. It doesn't matter if it was a rumor or not. That we need to be people in this world that would be uh, known for their love that wouldn't rally against someone for a sin that they did and remember that sin because God, whenever someone comes to him with 
uh, repentance in their heart, he completely forgets that sin. He doesn't remember it ever again, like it never happened. They're cleansed of all unrighteousness. And so we should be the same. We should be generous with our forgiveness and generous in all our ways. So to sum up, Paul's prescription for the Corinthian church, all their problems, their questions, was love. It's agape love. And that all their supernatural gifts, their supernatural uh, words of knowledge, uh, everything they did, their words, their actions, were nothing without the supernatural grace going behind them. Nothing without uh, the love that was behind it to motivate them. Uh, and love puts the quality into service and the maturity into the character and the eternity into life. So it brings heaven to earth when you demonstrate this love. So basically your efforts, any qualities that you possess, uh, any words that you may give, any actions you may do for somebody, if it's not motivated by love, then it'll ultimately fade away. Like we were saying before, the gold that remains. Gold that remains is things done in love. I want to finish up with just a little uh, quote from D.L. Moody. It says, God hates the great things in which love is not the motive power, but he delights in the little things that are prompted by a feeling of love. So I wanted to put... Uh, out an invitation for anybody. Um, if you haven't experienced this, this agape love that God has for you, and you're feeling like a pull in your spirit or something in your heart is telling you that I want this, uh, and you want to give your heart to the Lord, can I please just get a, a raise of your hands? If there is anybody. So we all know God, right? Yay! Well, if you haven't had this encounter with God's love where you know that he loves you unconditionally, this moment with God, I, I want to encourage you. Or if you even want a refresher, or if you even want God just to make that even more clear to you, I encourage you just to go to him in your quiet place, into intimacy with him, and just ask him to give you a fresh revelation of what he, what he thinks about you. Because once you get into that place where you know God loves you, it's like at the end of a conference where everyone needs to be loving on each other and you feel the love and all of a sudden, like, everybody is absolutely amazing. That happened at Academy a lot. <laughs> you look around, you're like, you guys are just so great. <laughs> We're called to live in that place all the days of our lives until we get to heaven and then our minds are blown again. <laughs> and it'll be wonderful. All right, let's pray. Thank you, God. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you died for us and that you rose again and give us eternal life. I thank you for fresh revelation this week that we would know... Uh, Know your love more and begin to understand more and more who it is you see we are. And to be able to have the power and the grace 
to be able to ask the Holy Spirit and have an awareness of Him throughout our week and manifest His love to all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Thank you. I was maybe a little bit shaky there for a little bit. Uh, but I hope you got something of worth out of that. I wanted to invite up a few people to help me pray for a few people and give some words. Can I get Katie and Kasten and Mandy, Julie, and Auntie Helen? Have we got another mic? Yeah. Cool. First things first, uh, I did promise Mari that he would be up here with me when I did eventually begin to preach. got a word for you. <laughs> um, so this may sound a bit strange, uh, but I saw you like walking into a movie theater and I had this sense that you had, you, you were seeing this movie and you had read the book before. You were one of those people <laughs> who like expecting, know exactly what to expect when you see this movie. And when you see movies that don't always encompass the entire story that is in a book. Um, but you were going into this movie while everybody else was uh, unaware of the full story behind it. And you came into this experience and you had a full understanding and full knowledge of the story that you were watching. And so there was no surprises. Uh, and there was uh, a deeper understanding about what was going on on the screen so you'd see something and something that would be absolutely significant to the story, but it wouldn't have enough time to explain it all, and so it would go under the radar for a lot of people. And I feel the Lord saying that uh, you'll be so... Uh, the Word of God is so imprinted on you and in your, on your heart. You've digested it completely, and it is absolutely in you. And it's coming a, a fuller understanding, a fuller wisdom... Uh, in your walk with God, and he's giving you strategies and solutions as you walk into situations that some people are unsure about or don't know what to expect. You will have full understanding of what to expect, how to react, the significance of things that may seem insignificant to a lot of people, pulling out the golden people and seeing what is significant in people's lives and pinpointing that and going after that. And there's such a father's heart on your, on your life. You are a father, but you're a father to many. So, so, so many. And you pull out and you're able to see the potential in people. You pull it out. You pull it up. There's a deep humility on your life as well. When people come to you, all they see is humility and wisdom and understanding and absolute love. There is such love on your life. And it surpasses all knowledge. And it'll be surprising to a lot of people as well. They'll experience something when they meet you. They'll experience uh, a revelation of God when they meet you. They'll experience the light that you carry. 
So thank you, God. I thank you for Mari. I thank you that you bless him. As he blesses you, you bless him back. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.